0: you are listening to the invitation church podcast to learn more about invitation church visit us online at invitation605.com you can also download our app on itunes and google play by searching for invitation 605
1: thank you lorita so much so i want to play a game that's all right Many of you know I used to do youth ministry, so that just sort of fits. I feel more comfortable when we can do that. So this is a game called uh, This or That. So, you know, we've got hotel people and we've got campground people. Can I see my hotel people just in the house? How about our campground, folks? Oh, we got a whoop. Okay, careful. All right, here's another one. Uh, Ocean people, let me see, ocean people, beach people, how about mountain people, all right, good. Some of you are cheating, that's fine. I'm not watching. Um, Okay, so how about this, how about like you're at a wedding, we got dance floor people, right, and then we have like the cupcake bar people, all right, so I won't make you raise your hand, but you just sort of know. Typically, these two groups of people stay separated at wedding celebrations. I think we have all more. And then we have like a new car people or like a new boat people. Can I see like the car people in the house? All right. Where's my boat people at? Some, yes. All right, cool. So the story that we are talking about today, we're taking a one-week hiatus uh, from the series that we're in in the Book of John, and we wanted to talk a little bit about the mother heart of God and our our role and what honor mothers and all of those things. And so I'm like, man, what's like a story that we never associate with motherhood? Mary and Martha, right? So. Uh, But it's maybe not what you think. Typically, when we hear this story, it becomes like a this or that kind of thing. It's like, well, it's either Martha or it's Mary. So we have team Mary or we have team Martha, and they just, like, punch each other, right? But the Bible doesn't work like that. Not very often in the scriptures is it all this or is it all that. It's not even in the middle, it's intertwined. And so today it's not about being a Martha person or being a Mary person. Today is about being a Jesus person. Being someone who is shaped and transformed, known and, and loved in his presence. And so we can't take this, this, or that approach, although that has been a popular approach, especially with this passage. A popular approach has been to say, a Martha way of life is like doing a bunch of stuff, like doing all of the preparation. The Martha way is to host and to do and to be active, but then the Mary way is to sit At the feet of Jesus. So the Martha way is action-oriented, but the Mary way is contemplative. And so this is how Christianity works out. You either take up a Mary way of life with Jesus or you take up a Martha way of Jesus. What would you say if I told you that's not even close to what Luke is doing in his gospel? What would you say if I told you that that doesn't really fit With what Luke is trying to get across? What if I told you it's actually much more beautiful than that? What if I told you there's actually a lot more freedom and grace and meaning in the story than I think often gets told? I think we are mistaken if we take the story in this way. A couple of things I love that I want to talk about, more than Martha being the hands and more than Mary being the heart. Verse 38, I love what is said of Martha here. It is said of Martha that she opens her home to Jesus. She opens her home to Jesus. And it made me think of uh, this, like, welcome mat that a lot of people have in their homes. Maybe you have a welcome mat in your home. And it's just kind of this little greeting in a place to wipe the mud or kick off whatever. But what if this is actually a spiritual declaration? Like, what would it be like for us to join Martha in welcoming Jesus into our home? And what if the welcome mat didn't just hang out outside as a place to kick the dust off, but what if the welcome mat came inside so that there weren't places in our home, places in our life where Jesus actually isn't welcomed? We're okay with welcoming Jesus here in this part of the house but we're not sure that we want Jesus to step into this part of the house and be welcomed in that place. Martha opens her home to him. So I just want to ask the church today, have you done that? And have we been doing that well? Or does the welcome mat need to be moved around to some places? Are there some places we're comfortable with the welcome mat being? But maybe the best thing that could happen today is even maybe as a reminder, maybe you can find a different place for the welcome mat. Just to remind you that Martha opens her home to Jesus. You know, there's two options. You know, we can we can open ourselves to God and to others, or we can close ourselves to God and others and if you came in my neighborhood, uh, you would find out that there are some homes that are open. There's people walking in and out all of the time, and then there are homes that are more kind of closed down. And I think we need to, as a church, consider are we in, are going to have open house or not? Is this going to be an open place, or is this going to be a closed down place? Is this going to be a place where we're going to be open to God and to each other? Or are we going to be closed off to God and to each other? And verse 39, I love what is said of Mary. What is said of her? It's said of her that she sat listening. And this is such a posture of trust, isn't it? To sit in the presence of Jesus and listen. And of course, there is a place to have stuff to say to Jesus. Of course. I'm not advocating for a life with God that involves no words. But what a posture of trust for Mary to sit in his presence and just to listen to what he has to say. And then verse 40. Jesus says, well, Martha says to Jesus, hey, tell her to help me. This is the proof that they're actually sisters, right? Like, let's get the savior of the universe to stand on our side like to help us feel we're in the right. Tell her to help me, Martha says to Jesus. In verse 41, Jesus says, Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you're upset and you're worried about many things, but only one thing is needed. So I just want to ask you today, like, what are you upset and worried about? Like, this is just a good opportunity for you to kind of check in with yourself. Maybe like me, you've had a morning you didn't plan on and you've kind of had to, oh, I don't know, throw some things in the crock pot kind of to make sure supper's ready for the people who are coming. Like, What are you upset about? What are you worried about? And has Jesus had the experience of hearing from you about those things? Or have we just assumed, well, he knows because he sees everything. But have we had the experience with him? Have we trusted him enough to just say, this is what I'm worried about? This is what I'm upset about you are worried and upset about many things, but one thing's needed. And then he says, Mary has chosen what's better, and it will not be taken away from her. One of the things I love about God, he cares very much that the things he gives to his children do not get ripped away from them. Have you noticed this about him? I love this about him. So in John chapter 10, he can talk about us as his sheep. And that not one is going to get plucked from his hand. So words Jesus has spoken over his people. He works extremely hard. He stands very strongly against the people who would seek to steal and kill and destroy what God's planted in the earth. Don't you love that about God? It's not going to be taken away from her. It's this word perispaomai which means to be pulled or dragged away. So there are some things that have pulled and dragged Martha away from the presence of Jesus. Perry spot, oh my. And I just think in the room today we can identify with that. There are some things that have pulled and dragged us away from the very presence of Jesus. And so a great option when that's happened is just to busy ourselves. With all kinds of things. I need to tell you about the context of this story. If you would read in the book of Luke, you would notice that this story comes right after the Good Samaritan. And you're saying, well, what's the Good Samaritan about? So glad you asked. The Good Samaritan is about the gospel coming to people that some people felt like it should not. And so in the ancient world, Israel, there's Jews and there's Gentiles. Jews are the the chosen people of God, and Gentiles is just like all the rest of the people who are hanging out. And Jesus tells this beautiful story about a man who is in desperate need, and he's beat up, and he's left for dead, and he gives some examples of some religious people, some Jewish people who would have maybe stopped and helped this guy. If you're reading this story, you're like, oh, for sure this guy's going to stop. For sure this person's going to stop. And they both don't. And the person you least expect to stop and to provide care and concern and mercy is the one who does it. And this man is taken to this inn, this hospital clinic, is maybe one way to think of it. I was reading the story as a little kid. I was, like, afraid to go to hotels because, like, well, I don't want— if that's what happens, that's where people go. <laughs> that's kind of how it was taught. I was like, no thanks. I'm not into that kind of hotel. It's better if we think of this as a, a place to heal and be restored. And this man makes sure that the needs of this man are completely taken care of. And I just need you to imagine hearing that in the ancient world. I need you to imagine like the people in your mind that you think of as less, or other, or unwise. Those are all kind ways to say it. It would be as if Jesus is telling us, yeah, they're in. So whoever the them is in your story, they're folded into the plan of God. And then this story comes right after that almost as if Luke is trying to say, like, the boundaries are being broken. The barriers are being torn down. These, like, ethnic boundaries that existed between Jews and Gentiles, I'm sort of over that. I'm tearing those down by my life, by my death, by my resurrection, by my victory, we're saying, like, no more to that. And Paul will pick this up later in the New Testament, won't he? And he'll say, yeah, there's now no longer male nor female, slave nor free, Jew nor Gentile, but what? But we are one in Christ Jesus. It's this Greek word, hase, means complete, tied together, not being pulled apart. That's God's vision for the church and for his people, and it's good news. So then Luke decides that this story is gonna come right after the Good Samaritan. Well, why is that? I believe it's because there are other kinds of barriers that are being broken in this story. It's not just about being contemplative or getting stuff done, but it's about barriers being broken. So the problem, there's a problem in this moment between Mary and Martha. There's a group of people, and Jesus is present in this home, and there's a meal that's being made, and the problem, though, is not just, like, the workload in the kitchen. Like, you've been in this moment before. Like, you're not sure, should I go in the kitchen? Like, there's pots clanging around, and there's lots of noise in there. Should I? Maybe I should just stay here, because I'm not really sure if I step. Anybody been in the moment before? Okay, thank you. The rest of you are liars. And so that's going on in the kitchen. But Mary's not in the kitchen. Mary is sitting at the feet of Jesus. And you need to understand something about the ancient world. In the ancient world, especially in Israel, in the Jewish home, there were places where men spent time. In, in In the house. And there were places where women spent time, like in the house. And there were places where children spent time out of the house. And some of you are like, oh, that part sounds might might be helpful. That's how the ancient world worked. There were places where you belonged, places you didn't belong based on gender. And Mary's big, Martha's big mad at Mary. Not because she's not helping her in the kitchen prepare a bunch of stuff. She's big mad at Mary because Mary's behaving like a man. Mary is seated at the feet of Jesus. And this is not like admiration. This is a posture not of admiration. This is a posture of preparation. That like you wouldn't sit at the feet of a teacher in the ancient world just because you wanted to admire them. You sat at the feet of a rabbi because in your mind you had a calling to be a rabbi. And Martha's like, no, 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 you do not belong sitting there. You belong over here. And I love how Jesus affirms and blesses Mary's presence at his feet. To sit at someone's feet meant to be their student. Let's go to Acts chapter 22, Paul is seated at the feet of a guy named Galamiel. And he's a, a rabbi, and he learns from this man, Gallimiel. And then let's also go to Luke chapter 2, this kind of like Christmas passage. That we, But if we keep reading, what do we find? We find Jesus at the temple, sitting at the feet of the religious rulers. Can I tell you, Luke uses the same word, So he's saying something about what Mary is doing. So this is not should I work in the kitchen or should I sit at the feet of Jesus. It's I should sit in the place that God has called me. And I should not let any other person, any other force push me away from that because what God has spoken over my life, what he has deposited in my heart, he cares deeply about nothing and no one taking that from you. And he says that here, doesn't he? Mary has chosen the good, what is best, and it's not going to be taken from her. So you just need to know that God is really serious in your own life about not allowing people to steal and kill and destroy what he's given to you and what he's planted in your heart. He's going to stand against those things with great power and victory and authority. I love that in the moment Mary quietly takes her place as a future teacher and preacher of the kingdom of God. And Jesus affirms her right to do so. As an earlier prophet once declared, this is Isaiah chapter 9. Here's another Christmas verse, as we like to call it. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. Can we read this in light of barriers being broken? What have you done? What has God done to the nation? Kept it small. It's just about us. No, he's blown the doors open to it. He's enlarged the nation, and he's increased the joy, the joy of the people who did not believe that they belonged, who did not believe that they were in, who believed the lies that had been spoken over them, that to be from this ethnic group is to be less He's enlarged the nation. And if he did it then, I believe he wants to do it today. Because I believe the God of the Bible loved to repeat himself. That's how he's different from a parent. He loved to say it again and again and again and again. And he loves to do it again again and again and again and again. Enlarging the nation and increasing the joy. Mary stands for all women upon hearing Jesus' message, know that God is calling them to listen well so that they can speak well of the kingdom. Because what happens after the resurrection? The the tomb is empty. And who are the people that come upon the tomb? All the rabbis of the day, right? Caiaphas, the high priest. Malchus, the dude with his ear that got chopped off and then healed by Jesus. They all go to the tomb, and they see Jesus' bodies not in there. No, that's not what the gospel writers tell us happened. What did the gospel writers tell us happened? They say a bunch of women who were on their way to the tomb to perform the, the, the duty of the spices and the ritual, and all that went into that. And who's in that group but this woman who sat at the feet of Jesus, and I believe... That without Mary having this moment in the presence of Jesus where she is blessed and affirmed, I don't think we have that moment later in the scriptures where where Mary has the courage, the boldness, the tenacity to go tell all the disciples he's not in the tomb. He's risen from the dead. And how many of us today stand in that place of, of needing to be affirmed in the calling that we believe God has placed on our lives, but people have told us no. People have told us not the time yet, not today, maybe later. Jesus affirms her and blesses her. Mary has chosen what is good. And newsflash, nobody's taken it away from her. Without this moment, I'm not sure Mary has that boldness and the courage. Matthew 5, chapter 15. We find Jesus teaching to a whole group of people. I'm going to invite the band up as we close on this Mother's Day. He's teaching to a group of people. There's part of the Beatitudes in He tells this group of people, You're the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to some people in the house. Now, it gives life to everyone in the house. Neither do people that light a lamp and put it under a bowl, but they put it on a stand. And it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men, that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father who is in heaven. What I love about this story is at the end of it, we're left with this really powerful message. If our life with God does not give light to the whole house, it's likely we're seated at the feet of the wrong teacher. And wouldn't that be a good thing to reflect on today? Where am I seated? What teacher? Am I, have I drawn near to? And maybe before God's going to call us to step into some things, could it be grace today that he wants to call us to step out of some things, to step away from some things? And so Luke chapter 10, may I suggest, is less about Mary being right and Martha being wrong. And it's more about Jesus enlarging the nation and increasing the joy of people who didn't think that was possible. Is it indeed an example of Jesus continuing to break down barriers and place his hand of blessing on someone who he has called? Let me tell you my experience as a pastor. My experience as a pastor is that a lot of people do not believe God has called them to much. My experience as a pastor is that many people do not feel as though the promises of God and the calling of God on their life is of very much significance. Because what has happened in the American church is we have boiled down a calling to doing what I'm doing today. That's kind of like I'm called to lead a church. I'm called to pastor. Can I tell you, most of the time I don't wear a microphone. Am I called to those things? Most of the time I'm, we're not coordinating a worship gathering, but I'm getting up and I'm seeking to live the way of Jesus, seeking to ensure that I'm seated at the feet of the right teacher. So can I just tell the church today, you have been called. like You have a work that God has given for you to do. And it turns out, God's not okay with that thing being taken away from you. He's going to stand against that. And I believe that the sooner we can get around that idea, we can stand in that truth guess what happens light comes to the whole house but if we stand walk away from that truth if we distance ourselves from that truth the light's just going to stay in some of the rooms of the house and the nation's not going to be enlarged and the joy is going to be decreased so i want this to be a matthew five fifteen church that takes the light puts it on a stamp so that the whole house gets to enjoy it. Because where this is all going ultimately, in the life that is to come, it's about every person from every tongue and tribe and nation in the house, worshiping a light that never fades, and never goes dark. And if that's where we're going ultimately, Let's go there now. Let's be about that work today and not wait for it. Will you pray with me, Lord Jesus?
0: Thank you so much for joining us on the Invitation Church Podcast. I want to encourage you to take the message that you just heard and receive every part of it, every promise from God, every declaration of his great love for you, every word of hope, every reminder that you have been made for more. Allow what you've heard to take root in your soul to allow Jesus to do the deep work that only he can do. I also want to encourage you to be part of what we are doing here at Invitation as we invite people to live the way of Jesus. Go to the app and become a regular giver, an investor in the story that God is writing in this place. Also, if you found the message meaningful, we'd love to have you share it with someone else as you partner with us in carrying the message beyond the walls of the church. I want to thank you for being here with us. Grace and peace.